Hello and welcome to Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry each week. I'm Nick Axelrod Welk. And I'm Annie Kriegbaum. Annie, how are you? I started doing this. <laughs> I realized I am a lot of people on the internet's like crazy aunt that they wish didn't know their Instagram handle because I find these things on like eBay, Etsy, they're real, real cool, like vintage pieces or like weird designer stuff that I've never seen before. And I'll be following someone on Instagram that I don't know and that does not know me. And we have never had any contact ever. And I'll send them a link and I say, I think you'd like this. That's so nice. You're like a fairy godmother. Can you imagine being like a cool, like... No, I would love that. That's what I thought. But this is us morphing into the crazy and Yeah. It'll oftentimes be like young influencer types, which is even creepier, right? Do they write back to you like, LOL, thanks? I get a lot of like double time. I don't know. I just, like the well, I, I hadn't done it in a while, so I actually don't remember, but caught myself. I was about to send this beautiful, like, Vivian Westwood satin bomber jacket to this, like, cool influencer model girl. Then I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I stopped myself. <laughs> to be clear, you're not talking about buying the product for this influencer. You're just talking about sending them a link, being like, hey, thought you might like this. Yeah, of course. I'm just clarifying. Yeah. I don't have that kind of money. I just feel like it's you're doing good work. It assures you a, a prominent place in heaven, just from my perspective. But don't you think that everybody gets into heaven? Oh, that's a great question. Should we do top stories? <laughs> um, no, I do have one other thing. Sorry, I didn't ask you about your week. I've had a crazy week, actually. My parents moved to L.A. this weekend, and we are now in the process of figuring out where the line between parent and babysitter begins and ends because my parents, you know, obviously moved across the country and my brother to be near my husband and I and our baby. And I'm so excited that they're here. I hadn't seen them for a year. Now they're here and we're trying to like, we're all trying to work, sort of put our heads together and like, what does this look like? Like, can you rely on your parents to like be at your house every morning at 9 a.m.? To watch the baby until 5 p.m.? No. Are you allowed to get annoyed with them? No, I mean, no. I like make jokes with my mom. (laughs) Yeah, I make jokes with my mom about like she can't be on her phone and like bathroom breaks should be limited to like two or three per day. No, but the answer is so I basically had a panic attack last night that I have a lot to do and I I don't want to put my mom and dad in the position of like having to be like full time nannies. And so I put a request on Instagram for a nanny, a temporary nanny who has experience with newborns until the nanny that we found starts at the end of April. And I got a lot of really amazing responses, including one from a friend of mine who gave me this. She like actually had like a list of nannies and nurses that are vetted by like other people that she know, like her friends and family who've used them. Um, and who referred them. And I texted and called every single one on the list and I found someone. It's just I, what I realized, it's like, it's impossible. I mean, probably every mother and working mother who's listening will roll their eyes and sigh. But I realized like, it's impossible to try to get work done while caring for a newborn. Like, this um, parenthood thing is no joke. You're telling it's me hard. I had to pick my dog back up from Dallas yeah. and now she's like How does she look? Does she have like big hair and like <laughs> making like racist jokes? She doesn't understand that certain adjectives are no longer appropriate. Right. But I thought to myself this morning, I don't know if you follow me on Twitter. It's really been pretty good lately. You're a must follow on Twitter. Like I never am on Twitter, but then when I go, I like heart every single thing you say. I feel like sometimes you're tweeting directly into my soul. No, well, nobody can follow me now. It's a closed door. It's a nobody in. If you're out, you're out. There's no backs, insies, backsies. There's no doggy door to your Twitter. No, private. It's going to stay that way. And this morning I was up early with my dog and I was standing outside And it just looked like just a trash human. But now everybody's kind of going back to work and everybody looks great. And I'm like, I'm standing here just like telling this dog who only wants to smell 
other people's trash. I'm like, mm-hmm. we have trash at home. I was like, what am I doing with my life? I'm 31 years old. I am a garbage human standing here in ultra mini Uggs, which look incredible. <laughs> and everybody else is like walking to work. They look great. Everybody's yeah. super excited. And like together, they bought all their like sale clothes from Essence. And they're like, finally back out in the world. I'm going to see my coworkers. And here you are like dumpity dumpity. Ripping this chihuahua away from eggshells being like, go potty. <laughs> Go potty. <laughs> I like. I feel like one time I like wanted to write a poem and like I only had one line in the poem and it was like women walking down the street begging their dogs to shit. It's like that's literally all we're doing in a cer- at a certain point. I like would pass like five people in New York and they were all just like, please, you know, like these old <laughs> women just like, please fucking go to the bathroom so we can go back inside. I really despise people with like well-behaved Labradors and Golden Retrievers that just like... The ones who like, they can go to the bathroom on command? Yeah. Get out of here and then that. And then they look at Get you and they're like, here. oh yeah, she just knows like right when we like go downstairs. Like she just knows. <laughs> no. Um, I tried to, to get this in top stories, but you said it was better in the Daily Banter. And so I just had a hot tip, which is that I was... I'm trying to figure out how I can say this and keep everyone anonymous and make it as ambiguous of a situation that no one would know who the players were. I needed a certain human substance that you use for nourishment for a child. Someone else offered some of their supply. I think you're making this sound way weirder than it is if you (laughs) said what you were looking for. Anyway, we get to talking. She finds out I'm in beauty and she's like, have you heard of the beauty sandwich? And I was like, what the fuck is the beauty sandwich? And she was like, oh my God, everyone in town is talking about him. He's this guy named Ivan Pohl. He has some patent pending, you know, whatever like hush hush treatment, no needles, no lasers that people are paying $2,000 a pop for. It's like a facial, but he says it's the results are as good as Botox and filler. Like he can really create incredible lift and even volume, I guess, in some places. Uh, He's on Instagram at the beauty sandwich and he is the self proclaimed skin magician He's a celebrity facialist, I guess. And on his website, he talks about being the facialist to Rachel Zoe and Diane von Furstenberg and Chiara Faragni, which tells me he hasn't updated his website in 10 years. But on his Instagram, at the Beauty Sandwich, he's like doing Lizzo. He's doing the Haim sisters. He's doing Miranda Kerr. He's doing Salma Hayek. But it's also, I'm very confused about what he's actually done. Like, does he apply their skincare like right before the red carpet? I don't know. If anyone has any information on the beauty sandwich, I'm very intrigued. Wait, sorry. It, what, okay, what's this? <laughs> he's a facialist. You're he's a facialist in LA. He invented $2,000. He invented some procedure that is currently undergoing some sort of IP protection. And he gets paid a shitload of money for an hour long treatment that apparently rivals Botox and filler. But there's no needles and no lasers. It's completely non-invasive. Completely non-invasive. Do you think this is a droplet in disguise? I don't know. Maybe he uses the droplet. In true L.A. fashion, he is represented by WME (laughs) and soon to be IMG. Anyway, let's do top stories for real now. This just in. Breaking news. Penises are shrinking. So let me back up. All the girls listening are probably like, exactly. But let me just explain to you why this is news. This is news because pollution (laughs) and toxins found in plastic and toys and plastic that food comes in, um, particularly, which actually, interestingly enough, are phthalates, is the actual culprit for what this author, Dr. Shanna Swan, is basically positing that these phthalates are causing human babies to be born with malformed genitals. She's also anticipating that sperm levels will be so low by the year 2045 that most men will be unable to produce viable sperm. There have been studies that have shown that sperm levels have dropped more than 50% over the last 40 years. Those levels are significantly declining every year. And this author is sort of correlating the decline of good sperm 
with the uptick in the use of all these like toxic chemicals in your lifestyle. So phthalates are endocrine disruptors. And we all know those are bad. And now we can't, it's like men can't get it up. And even if they get it up, they can't get the sperm where it needs to go. And everyone's going to have to do IVF and we're all fucked. It's like Mother Earth is really hitting us where where it counts with this one, you know? She's like, oh, you're not going to pay attention to me? Like it's snowing in fucking Texas? Okay, how about this? I'm going to make your dick tiny. And then everyone's like, okay, we're listening All of which is to say, if you find a man with a big, you know what, hold on to him for all your life, for all your dear life. What's the? I just think as long as they're really (laughs) sweet to you or there's some exchange happening where both of you are happy, Mm -hmm. it doesn't. It's the motion of the ocean. Look, I posted this on my Instagram stories and then I thought better of it and deleted it because first of all, the headlines kind of LOL, like us humans, we are polluting the earth. And look at that. Our penises are getting smaller. What do you know? Yeah. But Like maybe this will get lawmakers to actually do something. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, like, <laughs> but then when it had to do with like deformed babies, I thought better of it and, and deleted it. And also, can I just say small penis men, I think it's horrible what we've done to you. And I don't think that you should be ashamed. And I can't imagine. Are you talking to me? Like, who are you talking to? (laughs) I'm just saying, like, I feel like that's like shaming women with small boobs. And aren't we past that? Right. But like if small penises are the result of us using horrible, you know, materials to package our food and in our beauty products and all of that then shouldn't we at least know that and then like we should know it i'm saying like we just shouldn't like post memes about it and try to like be funny no 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 no. it's a very well no it's a very serious but regardless of the plastics thing i don't think we should be making fun of people for having a small dick we should do a fun drive i think we've beat it off with beat the dead horse off here (laughs) oh i thought you were gonna go somewhere else with that analogy moving on new yorkers will now or very soon be able to buy weed. <sighs> Andrew Cuomo, who is in some hot water, has reached an agreement with New York lawmakers. This is something that's been years in the making. It's going to include a 13% tax on sales, which is ridiculous. But in LA, like the, it's like you go into a, a weed store and it's like $200 for three things <laughs> because there's so much tax. Like, and like there's no, there's like no competition. So it's just like they'll charge whatever like they I'll want. I'll just have the criminal in my apartment. Thank you very much. Yeah. And they're also like, well, you have to like round up to the nearest $5. And then like you have to use a debit card. It's all very sketchy. Anyway, New York City, you're about to get yours. They're estimating that legal weed could bring in $350 million in taxes annually. And this all would come to pass in 2022. Uh, somebody asked us the other day, they're not American, did not understand that we don't have a, uh, a rehabilitative justice system. We have a punitive justice system here. So mm-hmm. they were like, oh, if weed becomes legal in New York, does that mean that everybody gets out that's in prison for selling weed? That is definitely not what it means. We love to keep people in prison for as long as possible. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of tax money generated from this. The revenue from the sales will first fund this new office of cannabis management and also police officer training on basically like how to detect drivers that are high. But what this bill does propose is that 40% of the remaining revenue from these sales of cannabis will go towards school aid Another 40% will be put into a fund establishing grants for social equity, and another 20% would go towards drug treatment and public education programs. This is reported by New York Mag. This is their answer towards like all the inequality created by basically incarcerating you know, specific groups of people for cannabis-related charges and you know, totally fucking entire communities. I feel like they should also make expunging records a part of this. Yeah. Well, maybe this is a first step in the right direction. I feel like the more quote unquote radical people that wanted to legalize weed actually were fighting for it to be stalled so that these measures could be put in place. And they were fighting for more like social justice um, aspects to it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's obviously all about like just 
the money, <laughs> right? They want to yeah. like make up this budget deficit that we're in right now. Okay. Well, speaking of weed, everyone's favorite pothead, Martha Stewart, did a big profile in Allure magazine where she revealed that she was launching CBD skincare. Who cares? However, there were a few nuggets in the interview, which I'd like to just spend a few seconds on. Number one, Martha Stewart doesn't like any shelves or closets or like things with doors. So all of her shelving is open, which to me is like a fucking nightmare because that like dust organization, clutter, like all that stuff. If you have open shelving in your bathroom and in your kitchen, like that seems to be a total, total nightmare. I guess if you're Martha Stewart, you have enough people to like dust and and organize so that it's not your problem necessarily. But that was one thing I thought was crazy. Number two, she is heavily into Mario Badescu skincare, Mm -hmm. which was sort of like the first spa brand, sort of cheap clinical, sort of like the forebear to the ordinary. Like they would have these like little serums and stuff that was sort of clinical sounding or chemistry sounding, talking about AHAs and BHAs and vitamins. And she says she still only goes to the quote unquote Romanian ladies at Mario Badescu. She doesn't let anyone else clean her face or give a facial other than Mario Badescu. Oh yeah. I've been there several times. Yeah. It's like a $70 facial, which for a facial is pretty cheap. I just thought that was interesting. Those were the most interesting takeaways from this whole... We already know everything. Like she's She's been in the press so much during quarantine. She must be very bored. She has, you know, she she's doing CBD things for dogs because she has like those, you know, chow chows. She already launched like CBD gummies. Do you want to hear a heartwarming story about my mom? Mm-hmm. My mom is an excellent cook and she loves Martha Stewart and would collect every issue of Martha Stewart living in have it organized in the laundry room. And we were baking together one day and I was really young, but I was, you know, I wanted to kind of like take the the bull by the horns mm-hmm. and really like read the recipe, measure the ingredients, do it myself. <sighs> she probably saw this whole thing happen. I bake the cookies, they come out of the oven and they're not cookies. They are like splats. They did not hold their shape. It was, I obviously forgot to put a cup of flour, like something. something. And my mom looks at it and she goes, you know, I heard that Martha Stewart's kind of a bitch. She doesn't want anybody to be as good of a cook as her. So she probably wrote the recipe down wrong. So (laughs) this would happen. Hmm. And that's how my mom shows her love. There you go. I mean, those are kind of like the biggest stories of the week. We have a few little ones. What? No, they're not. <laughs> what else do we... Okay. Who are you in, in the like big or little story? Fine. Those are the little stories. Here's the big story of the week. Kylie Jenner received criticism because she donated just $5,000 to a makeup artist's GoFundMe. She told her followers to help fund the GoFundMe. And I guess this makeup artist was in a horrible accident under and had surgery and there were no details about the accident, but you could see in the history of the GoFundMe that Kylie Jenner donated $5,000 and everyone was like saying that she was like asking her fans for money, but like she wasn't paying for her makeup artists, like medical bills and yada, yada, yada. She then made a statement. I mean, this is all just crazy. Can I clear Kylie's name? Kylie's good name? Yeah. There's a lot of things you can say about Kylie. Fine. I'm totally on her side in this. What happened was, this was a makeup artist. She has several that she has worked with over the years. She hadn't worked with this person in a long time. He is not one of her mains. I think maybe they've worked together a few times in the past. He was in this horrible accident. Kylie sees a GoFundMe posted. Somebody sends it to her or whatever. They're only asking for, I think, like $11,000. 10 yeah. I think they were at five or something or 6000 when Kylie sees it. So what does she do? She finishes it. She finishes it. And then she shares it with her audience so that they'll get even more money. No, she's damned if she does, damned if she doesn't. It's just like... That poor Kylie. I don't think that it's fair, okay? No, this is like not fair. This is giving me shades of like when, um, who's the off-white guy? Virgil Abloh. When he donated the... Oh, yeah. uh, $50 or something to an organization and then asked his fans to also donate and that that was i think deserving of the criticism but i mean this seems a little he posted a story on his instagram that he contributed 50 dollars for quote kids in the streets that needed bail funds <laughs> hey in other i guess this is other kardashian news kendall jenner 
released three fragrances, no doubt beautiful fragrances, inspired by her love for the outdoors and horseback riding. Who knew Kendall was a stable, what are they called? A stable girl? A horse girl. A horse girl. But apparently she is. There's more to say about this. It's a collaboration with KKW, her sister Kim's beauty line. I think that they're chic. They're giving me like shades of Hermes. We have one that's amber. We have one that's called olive and we have one that's called blue roan. My question is the overlined lips. What's your take? Do it's, you notice this as a man? The trend of overlined lips? It's extreme now. It's no longer like a subtle enhancement. It is like a straight on look look. Like it's not like a no makeup makeup. Let's like make our lips look a little fuller and like trick the eye. They're straight up drawing, I don't know, two millimeters more of, no, let me look at this ruler. No, definitely more than two millimeters. I would say easily an eighth of an inch up over the top lip. It's like a full look. It's like a crazy cat eye, but now it's like the lip. Do you understand like my... I just like think you're thinking it's like too much and when are we going to course correct as a society? I don't think it's too much. I'm just, is nobody else noticing this? It's bad technique that they've co-opted into a makeup look. And again, I'm not like making fun of it. It's just something I'm noticing. Hmm. I thought the overlined lips were supposed to be like a little, like our little secret thing. But right now it's like a... It's everybody's business. Why don't you try it and see if it makes you feel any kind of way? I did. And how did it make you feel? It doesn't make me feel any better about myself. (laughs) Okay. Well, this one might... ColourPop is launching a Lizzie McGuire collaboration, which is the Hilary Duff show, which almost got rebooted, but then something happened and Hilary pulled out. And so that's done. But you can still buy the Lizzie McGuire ColourPop palette. Would you buy this, Annie? I was a bit before Lizzie McGuire's time. This is my question. It's like a very juvenilely designed, branded collection and not just in like a cute throwback way i mean it's very on the nose very limited to like caboodle-esque but like i feel like brands were trying to do caboodle chic for a while this is yes there's a caboodle in the promo video but the products themselves are like so little girl yeah my question is who is the customer here because the ColourPop customer, if I'm correct in my assumption, is younger than the Lizzie McGuire audience. Would be now. Right. The Lizzie McGuire audience, if I'm not mistaken. Is like 25 now? 25 plus. And I don't know that 25 plus. I think ColourPop is around there. No, I don't think so. I think ColourPop is much younger than that. Can somebody write in? Can somebody that's older than 25 that. Grew up with Lizzie McGuire. Let us know whether this is appealing to them. Or do you buy ColourPop? Anybody over 25, can you write in, it happened to me, I bought ColourPop. For a chance to be featured on our show. You can't have just bought it, because I've just bought ColourPop. You had to regularly And like be able to like talk about the products with some sort of authority. Okay, Nick, I have a story and talked about it a little bit before we started recording, and you said you wanted me to explain it to you because you didn't understand. So basketball is a sport game. There's two teams. They each wear different costumes. Or just different colored costumes. What they do is they have a ball. It bounces. It's about the size of a large cantaloupe. And then on either end of the basketball court, there is a square in the sky with a rope, like a macrame. Got it. Like Chanel 97, spring, summer. Mm-hmm. And these two teams, they bounce the ball back and forth. And they try to throw it inside of the macrame hoop. Get in the macrame. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what's going on in basketball this week? Okay, so this is a basketball issue. This is an education issue. There's something happening right now called March Madness. Are you familiar? I don't want you to have to explain another basketball thing. Okay, okay. it's a basketball basketball tournament. It's for college basketball. Okay, there's a men's division. There's a women's division. These are the most elite college athletes in the U.S. that play basketball. So they're happening right now. They're taking place in a bubble. And a coach at Stanford, Allie Kirshner, posted on her Instagram a like comparison image of the women's NCAA weight room versus the men's. So the men's NCAA gym, the facility they've been given looks like a very, very, very nice, like a monthly fitness center. Everything's very organized. They have a ton of weights, a ton of workout equipment, lots of space. The women's 
looks like the corner of a Marriott meeting room that you can rent by the hour yoga mats piled on this fold-out table with a little laminated sign that says that they're sanitized and one set of barbells even if you don't care about sports this photo i'm gonna i'll send you the the photo it's actually shocking oh god it is it's literally like 10 yoga mats and like one of those like little you like order like a set of dumbbells on amazon and you're looking at the men's one and it's expansive. That's sad. It's really hard being a woman. Yeah. Can we speculate just a second? It's not news, but it's a speculation moment. Maybe we have a little sound effect that we can play. Mm-hmm. Like a little. <laughs> okay, this is Roadwatch 2021. We've been speculating for a while now, ever since Haley Bieber's highlighted skin graced her first red carpet. Or background of a Kendall Jenner paparazzi photo. It's probably more, more like it. that she would have a skincare line. Now, Nick and I, as you know, are almost like soothsayers in the industry. Yeah. We have a sixth sense, if you will, for what will happen, what won't happen. And definitely what has happened. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. We can yeah. Google pretty much anything and tell yeah. you with some accuracy what yeah. has happened. It's becoming very clear that Haley Bieber is launching a skincare brand. She has a new YouTube channel in which she like interviews celebrities in her huge bathroom and like they make food in the bathroom, which seems like a weird choice. But you were saying that she did a like a what's in my you know medicine cabinet tour and she didn't name any of the name brands of skincare that she's using, which is a great tip off that that she's coming for that industry. Now you know these things to look out for. Anytime you see a celebrity that's like, they're not like a supermodel. Supermodels won't tell you the brands that they use because either they have a contract with another brand. Or they want a contract. Or they want a contract with a particular brand. But so Haley goes through her routine, but basically it's like, this is my face mask. And it's like, she just has the most generic descriptions of each of the things. But I think also bigger picture, she launched a YouTube channel. So she's going to be doing a ton of like YouTube marketing for this brand. She's building her audience there as if it wasn't big enough. Yep. Speaking of the new and the next and the now and definitely the past, I think Azaleic Acid is having and will continue to have an even bigger moment. And I say this after my conversation with this week's guest, Cody Rigsby. Cody got a special prescription strength azelaic acid from his dermatologist, which he says has like completely changed his skin. He uses it two to three times a week. He said he does it. And then he adds totherine rich cream from La Roche-Posay on top of it. It's what he credits with giving him the glow up, I guess. Should we get into that interview? I can't wait. Annie, you were busy taking over the world, so you couldn't join me for this conversation, but I got to spend an hour with Cody Rigsby, the star, I'd say, the star teacher of Peloton Cycling, I've never taken a Peloton class. I don't own a Peloton. Mm -hmm. I bought a rowing machine during quarantine. I had a big fight. I wanted to send it back. I did not like it. But I discovered Cody through TikTok because I was starting to get served all these Cody Rigsby fan accounts because he's so funny and so charming and so energetic and charismatic in his classes that like people have been recording the screen and memeing it basically. I talked about this in the interview, but I kind of compared him to Seinfeld in that he takes sort of the mundane things of modern life and ends up just sort of like riffing on them and turning it into like a funny bit. And he was a joy to talk to. I think he's a star. I didn't want to say it to him because I blew enough smoke up his ass, but I think he's like, he should have a talk show. He's just so charming and likable. And here's our interview. Or I should say, you know what? Here's my interview. What's... Sort of funny, and I don't mean this at all as an insult, is that I have never taken a Peloton class. I've never done Peloton. I discovered you on TikTok and not even your own TikTok. I I somehow began being served fan like accounts, Cody Rigsby fan accounts that would like basically create like little clips of you going off on Britney Spears or 
Angelica from Rugrats uh-huh. or just like different moments. And there are a bunch of accounts that are just like you. They're just you teaching spin. Cycling. Cycling. So, oh, so is spin not the word? I believe spin is a registered trademark. So the general oh. term is cycling, but the two have become very interchangeable. So mm-hmm. that's, it's like that, Xerox. That's why, yeah, exactly. Got it, got it, got it. Given that I've never taken a class... Uh-huh. And that I discovered you via your fan accounts on TikTok. Does that make me in the minority of people who know about you at this point? Do you think most people who know who you are are Peloton riders or is it bigger than that? I would assume I don't have any numbers in front of me. And I would assume like 80 to 90 percent of the people who know of me or are familiar with what I do is because of Peloton. You know, words have power. And I'm glad that. What I say in my Peloton classes is entertaining enough that it lives free and separately in in other theaters. Theater is a funny word for it because, you know, I think what is interesting and I've watched a bunch of these these videos. Again, I can't get off my fat ass to take a Peloton class. However, what you're doing is blending entertainment and fitness instruction. Like if you had to say it's what percentage it is fitness instruction and what percentage is song and dance, essentially, what would you say? The thing is, every class that I teach, every class that's offered at Peloton, I'm going to do some shameless plugs. You know, every class that's offered at Peloton, everything that I do at Peloton is rooted in credibility. And if we don't have credibility, then you look like a fool and then people might get hurt. They might be doing bad things to their body by working out incorrectly. So it's always rooted in credibility and strong fitness programming. So that's the root and that has to be there. But I know that I'm just kind of like this natural entertainer. I've always been like this since I was a kid. You know, I always was loud or making jokes or pining for attention when I was like little. And then throughout the years and into adulthood, I've taken that, filtered it through discipline and learned how to create this balance of fitness, but also entertainment. I mean, listen, there's so many amazing trainers out there who can give a credible class, but to make it fun, to make it engaging, to make it funny and exciting, that's a completely different talent. And I I know that I possess that. And I think that is the secret sauce of Peloton, of Peloton's instructors. It really is about entertaining through storytelling and vulnerability. So there's an article that actually came out a few days ago in Gizmodo. And <laughs> I, I just like the headline, which Me is too. <laughs> <laughs> it's Nordic tracks. Peloton rival has a unique spin on indoor cycling, but lacks Cody Rigsby. And how does that feel at this point? I mean, that feels great. I mean, that feels great. I think that the work that I've done, you know, rolling up my sleeves and the elbow grease of like making incredible content is rewarding to see that but then also like i've been at peloton for seven years and it's been a lot of trial and error and it's been a lot of vulnerability and putting myself out there i was lucky to come on so early because i had this time that good equity deal sure um (laughs) no i had more time to kind of like have less eyes on me and develop who i am as an instructor as an entertainer and a storyteller so i kind of got a space to workshop it with less eyes on me when we see successful people, when we see, I use quotes, famous people, because I it feels weird when you like call me famous. I'm like, oh, okay. Z-list, sure. Well, we'll <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. You kind of see the finished product or you see, for the most part, these really heavily produced or heavily funded moments with certain artists. And you don't see a lot of the the grunt work and a lot of the stuff that goes behind it or the years of training and discipline and mistakes and failures that it takes to get to those really big moments. So in the first few years you were at Peloton, it took years for it to catch on. It wasn't just like a few months. What was it like? How did you sort of stay focused, stay motivated those first five years? I've always been a hustler. I, you know, grew up super poor, single parent, paid for my own car, took out loans to go to college. I moved to New York with, I don't know, like 2000 bucks. From so where? From North Carolina. Just have always had that hustler's mentality. I think that comes with being a dancer. It's just about being scrappy. So I took that scrappiness, that resilience, and I applied it to my job at Peloton. I'm grateful that I had those four or five years to look like a hot ass mess, to be messy, to make mistakes, to fall on my face, to have those cringy moments so that I could 
blossom into to who the hell I am and be my authentic self and share that with the Peloton community and share it with the world. So what actually goes into making one Peloton live class? Like how many people are involved? How much prep is involved? Like how does it work? Now we're a, a fairly large machine. You know, I work with an executive producer. I work with a producer that goes into the planning months months and months ahead of like what types of classes that we're going to teach, like bread and butter, especially classes. And then when it comes down to it, the task that I have is creating an amazing playlist that is going to be fun and flirty and give the right energy and then pairing that with credible training. And then once it comes to showtime, it's, it's adding that storytelling, uh, being vulnerable enough to talk about what, uh, what's going on in my life. And when I say vulnerable, it doesn't mean like, Oh my God, I went through the worst breakup and I'm having the worst day. It's also just like, I had pizza for lunch. You know, it's just like, it's being yourself. That's so it's, vulnerable. That's it's amazing. so vulnerable. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> the honesty, the truth. Do you like create a, like an outline of like even points you want to hit or is it all off the cuff? A lot of it's off the cuff, but if I think of something like if you go into my, my iPhone notes, it's kind of like word vomit of just things that I think of or something funny that happened in my day or I love that. There's like a Seinfeldian kind of thing where you're like, do you ever like, and and you'll kind of like go into a scenario that makes you laugh and that makes everyone kind of laugh. Thank you for saying that because I grew up watching Seinfeld and was such a big fan. And I've actually never thought of like the way that I approach storytelling in that manner. And I think you kind of hit it on the hit on the head. Well, it's kind of true. Like it's looking at the mundane at the everyday and sort of like seeing the humor in it. Yeah. Like if you're analyzing Duck, Duck, Goose, it's it's things that we've all thought or sort of like considered, but never had the sort of framework to put into a story. And it parallels a lot with like meme culture at this point. because That's how we as a generation or as like a society are starting to communicate and laugh. The things that we observed and we thought we were the only ones that were thinking that and then to see it confirmed um, in a space and you have a good, you could have a good laugh about it. Cause you're like, Oh yeah. wow. I thought I was the only one who thought that. Do you have anything? I mean, I know this is a tough question, but anything off. Yeah. Let's look on your notes and let's see what we got. I thought about this one thing where I was like, I, I play a lot of Mario Kart with my friends. And I think that's always something that brings joy to my life. But I also think about how people select their Mario Kart character. And I think that describes a lot of who they are. Anybody that probably chooses Wario, I'm like, whoa, please, no, get, get away from me. There's something going on there. I don't need that energy in my life. And even myself, probably everyone's like, oh, this gay is always choosing Peach. And that is not true. I always go, no, no, Luigi or Toad, always. Those are my number Okay. One. And what does that say about you? I don't know. Is Luigi the top or the bottom is the question. I'm going to say a top. Really? And Mario's the bottom. I, well, they're brothers, so I don't think they're having sex. Oh, At fair. Least I, I don't. I, they're my, not having sex. My <laughs> knowledge of the Mario Kart universe is very limited. I know that you have a an XOXO Cody ride, which yes. is where you kind of talk about what's going on in your life. How did that class come about? I think amongst my friends, I am known for being very brash and very straightforward with opinions and feedback, as you might say, to a fault even. But I, it's it's kind of like my double-edged sword. Like I'm really... I think I'm very aware and insightful and can really give constructive feedback, but then also I don't know how to deliver it. So then sometimes my friends get mad at me, but I tried to lean into that and be like, what kind of like straightforward talk can I give to the Peloton community and the members and the people that ride with me? And I always envisioned it as this fitness class mixed with like an advice column because people would write in like relationship and love advice. And then I would answer it within the ride. And then some of those things kind of sparked and grew into pop culture because I'm really well-versed in pop culture, especially from the probably late 90s to the 2000s. I wanted to always like apply my love for pop culture in that space as well. So we talked a lot about relationships, but we also talked about pop culture and like current hot topics, as Miss Wendy Williams would say. I love that. How many? Do you know how many classes you've actually taught at this point ever do you have no yeah no idea it's a few thousands because i want to say like three years ago i had my thousandth ride or even four years ago i had my thousandth ride so we're probably well above that do you have a few favorite moments of yours from your rides that you can 
think of? Yeah, I mean, I love I love my XOXO series just because I get to have really f- a lot of fun also with the like with the playlist. Like one time I did a an ass theme, like all the songs were about ass, or I did a stripper theme where songs made me feel like uh, releasing my inner stripper. So I had fun with that, and I'd been waiting so long to do a Britney Spears ride, and when that opportunity came, I had so much fun with it. And this was your free Britney ride. I know what you're referencing. And no, that was not my quote unquote hashtag free Britney ride. It was just my Britney Spears ride, a celebration of one of the greatest women in history. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I have an idea for a theme, but you can have it. Is it good? It's all breakup revenge songs. Babe, I've already done that. I've already done that. You didn't do your fucking research because I've done (laughs) I've never been on a Peloton. Well, you could look up a ride. Um, (laughs) So are we talking Carrie Underwood, Before He Cheats, Bust Your Windows, Yasmin Sullivan. Yes, okay. So my first season of XOXO Cody... The first three rides were celebrity breakup rides. So you had Justin versus Britney. You had Justin versus Selena. You had Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson. So those were the first three rides. And then the the culmination or the, the final moment was the week before Valentine's Day. And we did breakup songs. So you had Carrie Underwood before he cheats. Kelly Clarkson, What Makes You Stronger, yes. maybe Blue Cantrell, Hit Em Up Style. Oh, so good. So good. So you yeah. got it. You I got, got it. it. You don't need me to it. give you uh, suggestions. Fail. Already done. So I know that you had a class, I guess, like probably six months ago that you had almost 25,000 people on the leaderboard. I mean, that's insane. That's that's a stadium. Isn't it a stadium? Stadiums are 50,000. So it's a half stadium. If you're talking about football, I have no idea. Me neither. There you go. <laughs> But that's a lot of fucking people. When that is you, a lot of fucking people. And that's so cool. When you're doing this, do you know how many people are signing on virtually? No, no. Typically, I don't. I think if there is a special ride, maybe that was the ride that I did after taking three weeks off to battle COVID. I, I think our producer had texted me and they're like, oh, my God, there's X amount of people on your ride. Like, how cool. Does that make you nervous? No. It doesn't like I is it truly live like if you did something that you like really didn't want to do like there's not like a delay. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's like a Janet Jackson Super Bowl moment, like no, I, or <laughs> the world post Janet Jackson. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there's a little bit of a delay, like a few seconds just because of technology. Not to be able to bleep you out. No, 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 no. And, you know, you're doing your triumphant return post COVID. You know, there's going to be thousands, if not tens of thousands of people logging on. Is there any special preparation that goes into that? No, not really. I think I have done this for seven years and it just has become muscle memory and the bike and the platform and the community, it just feels like home. I think sometimes when there is special content, you just want to get it right. If you are sharing a vulnerable story, I think those are when I get the most nervous. This time last year, I lost my best friend to addiction and that was a really challenging moment for me. And I hadn't really spoken about it on social media or in my classes or just like really anywhere. I I wasn't ready to kind of like put that out there because I was still processing it. And then I did a Ricky Martin ride in June and my friend Oscar had a really special connection to Ricky Martin. And so I remember being really nervous or just wanting to get it right as far as like sharing that story and and being vulnerable in that moment. Those are the moments that I kind of get nervous with are are storytelling moments or when you're trying to honor an artist or someone and doing it right. But the amount of people on the other side of the camera doesn't really scare me. It it inspires me and it really pushes me. So when you're, and I wonder this about like Akin or Noah Neiman or any of these people who are like teaching these classes for a living is your caloric output so high that you can basically eat whatever the fuck you want? No, it is not because I have done that before and I gained the weight that I do not want to gain. So it's interesting you bring that up because it's something that I am working on right now is that I work with a nutritionist who's amazing, Jamie Schreier. She's a nutritionist. Yes. So During COVID, I lost probably like, I want to say 10 pounds and like four or five of that was muscle. So I lost a pretty good amount of muscle mass. And so right now, my goal for the past two months has been to train hard within strength and to also fuel my body so that I can grow muscle. That takes a lot of eating, but it's not, it's not, it's not fun eating. It's not like eating a pint of ice cream every day. It's like 
tons of rice, tons of bread, tons of, you know, sweet potatoes, chicken, protein, all these sort of things. You do strength training, like you lift weights yes. on a daily basis as well as yeah. like obviously teach your classes. Before COVID, I was probably doing three strength training days with a trainer. And now I've kind of bumped that up to four, sometimes five. And that's like an hour? Uh, yeah, typically. I think if you're in the gym much longer than an hour, you're kind of wasting your time. And then you have your classes. How many classes do you do a day now? Right now I'm teaching, let's say it's a combination of like different time durations of class. So it might be 20, 15, 45, 30. But let's say that I'm doing at least four to five 45 minute classes a week on top of that. So how many calories do you think you're I don't, burning I, I don't, just from that? I use my whoop and it tells me it's the caloric burn that's happening. So it's probably anywhere from like 35 to 4,500 calories. Right. And if you're trying to gain muscle, then you have to eat like 5,000. Exactly. Or, 6, or something like that. I was talking about with somebody. I was like, this shit is a part-time job. I'm like <laughs> constantly thinking about what I'm eating next, what I'm putting into my body. It is a part-time job. And it's been a lot of trial and error for me. I've, I've failed a lot with nutrition and really finding what works for me. And when your goals change, you're trying to adapt and learn something new. So, yeah. you know, you might have a good momentum and a habit and a ritual for one goal and you've got it and it's like easy. But as soon as you change that, you're trying to learn new habits to achieve a different goal. So right. it becomes challenging. Now that you're a big celebrity, you're, you have spawned TikTok meme accounts, mm -hmm. fan pages, headlines, New York Times, the New Yorker profile must be coming. What is next for Cody Rigsby? I plan on being at Peloton for a while. I love my job. It gives me a lot of joy. It keeps me rooted in purpose. And I really, really love that about my life. And I'm not ready to go anywhere from that. As I kind of look ahead, I just want to find opportunities that allow me to continue to be my most authentic self, to bring joy into the world, to have fun and whatever opportunity feels right, I'm open to. Hopefully I'll be able to use my body for a very long time as far as working out. But, you know, you get older. Uh, there comes a time where it just doesn't work like that. So I hope to find the ability to entertain and to storytell and to inspire even when I'm not moving my body or teaching a fitness class. But you must be getting so many offers right now. It's, I mean, like, it's, you know, because of... COVID and like the rise of Peloton and also your own profile skyrocketing, like reality shows must be being offered all sorts of different things because people want to capitalize on your fame. Yeah. I mean, there's been an influx. I think there's been conversations, but you know, when you get on the phone with like quote unquote Hollywood types or people who want to sell you on something, they, yeah. you know, sometimes they just don't go anywhere, but it's nice to have a conversation and make connections. And like I host my own reality show every day at Peloton. And it's like, I have a platform that's really rooted in positivity, in purpose, in changing people's lives, in doing something great. I don't want to then transfer that to something that's about fake manufactured drama or a storyline yeah. that's not actually relevant. So I, you know, if it's reality TV, I don't know if that's for me, but if it's rooted in something that's a higher purpose, like let's do it. I think like my lane is more so like commentary on pop culture or commentary on things that are going on in the world. So whatever that looks like in 2020 X, you know, that is a perfect segue to this segment, which is a game that we like to call Paula's choice, um, okay. which is a very difficult decision between two things that we ask you to make. And then you have to sort of explain the reasoning behind your decision. Oh, great. Brittany or Christina? That's so, are you kidding me? Brittany. I'm, I'm starting, I'm easing you in. So easy. Come on, Brittany. Brittany or Beyonce? Brittany. Sorry, Beyonce. I love you. You're great. But Brittany. Why Brittany? <sighs> she can't sing. You're not going to get me in trouble. First of all, she can sing. and who She can barely sing. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Brittany is just my all-time favorite. And I think that she is the like pinnacle of manufactured pop. And she gives myself and probably lots of other people this feeling of like safety and nostalgia and fun and girly. And just when you hear Britney Spears song, like you tap into your childhood, you tap into how safe you felt, how free you felt. And I don't think that that's really available anymore. I like, yeah. I just, the world is so scary. And I kind of just like miss having that feeling of safety or freedom that we had when we were a kid and we didn't have adult responsibilities. 
I guess I go to like the darkness of Brittany. So like when I hear her like voice, I'm like, is that your real voice? Or is that like that one leaked tape of your real voice to your real voice? I mean, I think that's what they talked about in that documentary a lot of. It's just like we also as a society played a huge role in I know we I in know crafting we and creating that version of Britney Spears. But there's like a fucking person there and there's an icon there that like gave us years and years of amazing music performances. Like name a better VMA performance than Britney Spears. Only one I could think of is Lady Gaga's paparazzi where she's hanging from the ceiling yeah. bloody and yeah. that, that was the last iconic for me in my opinion the last iconic vma performance was lady Got gaga it. okay cetaphil or cerave are those um ed drugs <laughs> they are skincare products <laughs> um they are they're fragrance free lotions and face washes <laughs> Um, what do you use if you don't use Cetaphil or CeraVe? Cetaphil or CeraVe. I used to use Cetaphil for a long time, but you know what annoys me about Cetaphil is like... Is that your dick doesn't get hard. My dick doesn't get hard. (laughs) Um, What annoys me is I would use it and then I would feel like, did it work? Did it do it? But it's probably because it's not as abrasive as probably some of those other... I know. I feel the same way. It feels like I'm rubbing like a gel on my face. Not to talk about penises anymore, but it it does look like a certain thing. So like, you, you know... I use just like a normal face cleaner at night. And what about moisturizer? There's something that I've instilled in the past year for me in quarantine. That is my night routine. It's a lovely shower. It's putting on my night cream. What's my your night eye cream? cream. What's your I, eye cream? Okay. So I don't want to sound like an influencer right now, but it's whatever the flavor of the week is because people will send me face products and I'm like, well, I'm not going to let this go to waste and I'm not going to go buy it. So it's like whoever has sent me stuff, I'm using it. You don't have allegiance to one brand. No, I do like some of the Kiehl's products they sent me and I have purchased a few of those because I like that consistency. And I bought some for my boyfriend. Because your skin is pretty good. Yeah. So also I do have a few gels from like a dermatologist that I have been using and that's like really, it took my, my skin from probably like a B plus to like an A minus real quick. So we've got this, this girl right here, Azelec acid. 15%. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And then La Roche-Posay. Yep. It's Tolerane Ultra. So it's azelaic acid, 15%, La Roche-Posay, Tolerane Ultra. Uh huh. So I probably use this probably like two to three times a week because if I overuse it, then my skin starts getting super, it get, it'll get a little bit dry and I'm a big bitch. So I sometimes apply probably more than my dermatologist told me to apply, but that's okay. And do you do it at night or uh, in the morning? At night, but I probably do it like two to three times a week. And then you mix the two, you like put the acid into the cream. I think you put the azelaic on first. Then you put on the tolerance. Seal it in with some tolerance. And then I put on a night cream. And then a night cream. And then an eye cream. And then you go to sleep like this. No, but I do wake up like my my skin feels like super moist in the morning. So I feel good about that. No, your skin looks really good. Thank you so much. Okay, here's the next one. Alicia Keys Soul Care or Carmen Electra, who has a skincare brand called GoGo. Just because I love 90s nostalgia and Carmen Electra was such a hot babe. And GoGo is so much a better name. So I have no idea about either products. But you go GoGo. Okay, next question. Whey or collagen? Whey protein versus collagen? Yeah. Collagen. Because whey just makes me so bloated and gassy. I have completely switched my protein shakes to plant-based. So I don't use whey anymore. But collagen goes into my coffee so easily do you do marine collagen or are you doing like beef collagen uh beef collagen which is so weird because it's like ground up cow bones yeah i remember looking into marine collagen and something about it it either didn't have the same amount of protein or it had a little bit more fat than i wanted to put into my morning coffee i know that i've looked into marine collagen and i was like you're not for me do you use my fitness pal to track your back? I do. I do. I do. I do. It's that talk that is a full-time job. That is a That's, full-time it, job. That's yes. what I'm saying. Like I've tried, I've I done need. it for like a month and a half, and then I'm just like, this is work. It's a part-time job. I'm telling you. Yeah. Gel or foam shaving cream? Oh. I'm gonna say gel. Because okay. I have gel at home and then at work they have oh god, I'm such a process to shave at work. They have a foam and it smells like the most like regular shaving brand cream. I don't know what it is. Anyway. Like Barbasol. Yeah, that. And it smells so bad. 
and it's too much. So gel. Do you wear any makeup or bronzer for the show? For the no, show. For, for the for show. The no, you can call the show. No, unless I have a horrible pimple. And I think I have one right now, but I didn't even cover this up. What's your concealer? I'm so bad. I, you should educate me more on this sort of stuff. I use some, like just like one of those little wands and I would dab it. But someone just sent me like a whole pack of male makeup products. But I'm very interested in getting into makeup. I just want to be better at it. I want to be able to like know what the hell I'm doing with it so that I could be better. My last question, if you had to teach a class and your options were either no water or no fans. Oh, no fans. I hate fans. Probably 90% of the rides that I do, I ask when we get in the room, I kindly ask the PAs to turn off the fans. I hate being cold. What else is on your rider? There's nothing on my rider. That's it. That's it? Just no fans. I make sure I have like some, I actually probably consume too much collagen. There's like BCAs and collagen in my water, but I put it in there myself. So okay. boom. boom. <laughs> Stars, they're just like us. Cody, you are a gem and Thank I'm you. so excited to see what you do. And I know you can take a Peloton class without purchasing a Peloton. You can get a membership, right? Yes, you can take a Peloton class on your phone, on your Apple TV, on the Peloton app. And you don't even have to have a bike. You can do like you a strength class. You don't need a class. bike. You can do a strength class. You can do a core class. You can do a meditation with me because I also teach those. So there is tons of classes that you need no equipment for. If you want just Cody, like you can take a Cody meditation. You can take uh -huh. Cody strength. You can take Cody tread. So I do not teach tread classes and I don't teach strength classes, but I do teach bike boot camps. And if you don't have a Peloton bike, you can use a cycling bike in your home and you can do my cycling classes or you can do my bike boot camp classes. Well, there's bodyweight ones as well. Where do we find you on the internet? At Cody Rigsby on Instagram. And then I think it's at Cody underscore Rigsby on TikTok because some hoe took my name on TikTok some before fan. I got on TikTok. No, it's like an account that has like no content. It's like some Cody in like Nebraska. And I'm like, yo, oh, can, so I, have, it's not even, can yeah. I have my name? Like what the hell? Like Tina Turner. So people can like comment and write things. Like if you're like a writer and you're doing a class participating from home, you can like write things. Can't you? Can you comment things? You cannot do that. Or, do, or like, what, what do you see? So I'm on, I'm on a bike. Ah. I've opted in. Like, how can I get your attention? On the Peloton platform, you can't get my attention. But if you are riding with me or taking a class live with me, there's a leaderboard of everyone that's taking the class that can be used for ranking and being competitive, or that can just be used to know who's on the ride. So for me, like I see that on my screen when I'm teaching. So that's when I call out people's usernames or someone's milestone or their birthday. So that's when I give people love in that space. Like, do I have to be in the top 10 to no, like, for you to see no, it? No, not at all. Usually I preference people who have milestones just because there's so many people on the leaderboard and I want to get people who are celebrating big moments in their fitness journey or a birthday. So that's where it kind of gets my attention a little bit more. But you don't have to be anywhere on the leaderboard to get a shout out. And then I'm super active on social media. So if you comment on something on TikTok, on Instagram, there's a good chance that I'll respond or say something back. Make no promises. But do it in the comments, not in the DMs. I can't see. There's so many DMs I get lost, to be honest. You heard it here first. And I, I mean that with all the humility. Time for our favorite segment. And hopefully yours too, product of the week. I have two this week. I've been using this product, this set of products for like four weeks, but I didn't want to mention it before I actually sort of had faith that they were actually working. I was sent these products and I was initially skeptical because they were the brainchild of, do you know that blogger bag snob, Tina Craig? Yeah, I think she's Dallas, right? Yes, she was Dallas. It was all about like Birkin, you know, sort of the whole kind of like rich Dallas handbag obsessed blogger type. She was in that first group with like Rumi Neely and Brian Boy. And she launched relatively recently in the last couple of years, she launched a brand called You Beauty. The thing I immediately did like about it is that it's a super small suite of products. So she has a resurfacing compound. She has a super hydrator, which is like a moisturizer. And then she has an arm, an arm product that she just launched. But I have been using the resurfacing compound and the super hydrator for the last month. And I'm really into it. 
It is bizarrely expensive. 50 ml, which is like the normal standard size, will run you $228. But it, it's, it's funny. It's like this product. Yes, it was launched by Bag Snob and what does she know about skincare? But as you know, being from Dallas, like rich Dallas people actually probably know a lot about skincare and ingredients because they're going, they're getting the best facials. They're spending Literally however the much o- money. The only thing to do there is shop. <laughs> so so she knows what she's talking about because I've been on chains of text messages with other friends who have been asking me my opinion about the resurfacing compound. So this is actually why I first ended up asking for it from the publicist because I don't have $228 to spend. It is awesome. So there is, as I said, the resurfacing compound, which is like a serum that you would put on and then you would seal it in with this super hydrator. The super hydrator is really interesting. It's what looks like kind of a lotion texture, but it takes some time to absorb. So it almost feels, it feels occlusive, but it's not occlusive. It feels like it would kind of like sit on top like a zinc sunscreen. So it has this like kind of funny weight to it, even though it's a pretty light moisturizer. It's powered by long chain hyaluronic acid, which I guess is better than short chain hyaluronic acid. And It is super hydrating. It's been really great for like the change of seasons where my skin always kind of freaks out where it's like I'll have dry patches and then oily patches and uh, it doesn't know what it's like red patches and some roughness. So like the resurfacing, I had some roughness on my skin that I don't really know what it was about, but the resurfacing compound over like a month of use actually did completely take away the sort of like rough texture that I had on my cheeks and the moisturizer is, it's really hydrating. It feels really good on your skin, but it's also quite soothing. Like it doesn't make me break out. I am really into it. I'm like very curious about like what the hell this is. And I'm trying to find, I mean, like there's no ingredients on the bottles. I'm trying to find the ingredients on their website and correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't do it. There's this like special patent pending capsule technology that they're using. So you have to do a lot of digging to figure out what is actually in these products because they don't list them on the bottle and they're not necessarily easily clickable on the product page. But from looking at the FAQs, I can tell that there are vitamin C and E and peptides and antioxidants and AHAs. And as I said, hyaluronic acid, they do not test on animals and it's really good. I'm like really into it. It's like, a, I like the simplicity of just having two products. It's not like layering and mixing and matching. It's just like, you just do the resurfacing compound and then you do the hydrator. And it's sort of this funny combination between like a lightweight texture that actually has weight to it. It's hard to describe, but like a little goes a long way. Okay. So worth the, how much again? 228 for the resurfacing compound, which I think is like their star product, but then 168 for the super hydrator. It's honestly not just me. You can buy it on Net-A-Porter. You can buy it on Violet Gray, which has like a pretty rigorous evaluation committee. You can get it on Nordstrom. So like big retailers are picking it up, which means that it can't be bullshit. It's not just like a blogger brand. Skincare is different, especially expensive skincare. Because like a $228 resurfacing compound is sitting next to the most expensive products in these stores. So it would have to be legit and have fans in order for these people to buy it. So I'm into it. You can buy it on theubeauty.com or as I said, Net-A-Porter, Space NK, Violet Gray, or you can just et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Start a podcast. Record. We can start a podcast. You can self-fund a podcast and, and ask for it for um, free eventually. And beg publicists for it for free. Anyway, that's mine. What do you have? My product of the week is not a goo. It's not a gel. It's not a lotion. However, it will make the lower half of your body look really good and feel good. And that is Wolford Hosiery. Now, I've tried a lot of hosiery over the years. In New York, you know, it gets cold. I wear a lot of dresses. I'm not really a pant person or I wasn't for a long time because this was before every brand started doing things in cropped, which for me is just full length. So tights were always the answer. And they're worth it. I just, I just want to put that out there. I've seen some like startups, some hosiery startups, you know, look, we've all been 
in our early 20s and did the American Apparel thing. Hugh, you know, that's at every department store. Wolford Tights, just, just invest, just do it. I, for a long time, I was a diehard for the, there's like a control top, which I don't necessarily buy because of that aspect of it. I buy it because it looks really hot because there's this like fake panty like in the weave of the tight it's like this fringe cut high-waisted panty and then these tights are the perfect sheer black to make your legs look like perfectly silhouetted and sculpted in the same way that like a spray tan might like one of those spray tans where they know to like make the outsides of the legs darker so you look more svelte same effect but I bought recently some wool blend tights and their cotton velvet tights. And now that it's not freezing cold in New York, I broke them out again and I wish I could just live in them. God, what has my life become? I really am like just the most boring, like sending young girls like links to Etsy stuff that they might like. And I want to talk about hosiery. Did Nick just hang up on me? Nick just literally waved at me and signed off the podcast. I don't, I feel like a little damaged. I feel alone. I feel depressed. Nick had to, no, Nick told me he was leaving because he has to relieve mommy, daddy, Axelrod from baby Evie duty. Why am I also talking like baby talk? What? I'm like losing my mind. I need to just get rid of friends when they have kids because then it, I think it is making me the weird single aunt. So I guess that just leaves the outro, which I will do on my own this week. So Nick would normally say, okay, that's it for this week's episode of Eyewitness Beauty. Thank you so much for listening. Then I go... Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at eyewitnessbeauty, or you can write to us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com. Then Nick says, Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Justin and Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our art is by Simon Abronowitz, and our theme music is by Danny Prezant. Research assistance is provided by, and then he goes, the always lovely Alicia Bansall. And then I say, we'll be back next week with another brand new episode, so we'll talk with you then. And then... I don't know. We just kind of look at each other and try to, I, we normally just wing it on the like goodbye part. So he's uh, say something and then I'll be like, ciao, 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 ciao.